Happy Easter. We're glad to have those of you who have joined us on all of our live stream avenues. We are thrilled to have you being a part of our Easter service. want you to know we welcome you. Welcome you to church today and the celebration of Jesus. All religions are just not the same. They're not close to the same. Say, Tim, you say that all the time. I'm getting tired of hearing you say it. I'll stop saying that when they quit telling us they are the same. So I'm going to keep saying it as long as they keep saying they're the same. They're not the same. We're the only religion in the world to celebrate Easter. He is risen, and no other religion says that. We're not following the teachings of some dead leader. That's not us. Jesus came out of that tomb. Death could not hold him. He is alive, and that's what this day is all about. Of all of the celebrations that we do each year, of all of the days off of work that we have, today is the biggest, biggest, biggest celebration of the whole year. Some would argue and say, well, Tim, Christmas is a whole lot bigger of a celebration than Easter is. Church, there are a lot of religions who have their religious leader, he was born, and he has a birthday. But we are the only one that has an empty tomb. That's why today is so huge for us. Today is a day of celebration. It's a day of praise. Uh, we celebrate, we celebrate birthdays. We do so by remembering that person, by honoring that person, by grateful for the life of that loved one. Uh, we celebrate the 4th of July. That's a big celebration for us. We do so by remembering and we're grateful for that day and we remember our freedom and the price that was paid for it. Today is a day of celebration. That's what today is all about. And the three pastors of this church, we, we are teachers of the word. This is a teaching ministry. This is a discipleship-making ministry. That's what we do. But, but today is a little different. I told the guys in our meeting this last week, I said, I see us today not as, not as teachers teaching, but I see us as praise leaders leading praise, remembering what Jesus has done for us and leading a celebration of praise. That's what we're doing here today. All of us in here know everything that the three of us have to say about today. You're all well aware of the story. This won't be a surprise when you, we tell you he was risen. Y'all know the story. We don't have anything new to add to that. But I was thinking the last couple of weeks, praying over today's service and getting ready for this, what we want to do is continue on with just what we were doing with the songs we've been singing. You knew the words to all of those songs. Our praise team didn't feel it necessary to come up with all brand new songs that you have never heard before so we could entertain you with some stuff you've never heard before. Our praise team sang songs that you've heard over and over and over and over again so that you could join in and participate in praise. And that's what we want to do in these next few minutes together. We haven't come to teach you anything new that you don't already know. We want to lead praise. 
And because of that, I expect throughout the time that we have here in the next few minutes together, applause will break out. Clapping, we'll be, we'll be praising because that's what we're doing here. We're thanking you, Lord. We're praising you, Lord. Amen to that, and I praise you. And just like we have been doing, singing songs that we have already heard, we're going to continue with that giving him praise here today. Let's practice. Come on, let's give him some praise. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We praise you in this place. Paul, start us out here this morning. Get us going. Absolutely. History of the world. Yeah, that's what happened.
celebrate Easter today, Easter is all about a restored relationship with Jesus Christ. And so, you know, we're all familiar with the tabernacle. God gave them the blueprint in Exodus about the tabernacle. It was very detailed in every way because that was God's dwelling place, right? God's a holy God. He's a perfect, morally upright God. God had to have a perfect place for him to dwell in. Within the tabernacle, in the center of the tabernacle, is what we call the holy of holies or the holy place. And there was a huge curtain that went all the way around it that God had to make because it had to, uh, just as much as it kept them out, it had to keep God's presence in. Mm -hmm. Because God is holy and he's righteous and he's all-powerful. And if God's holiness were to be uncovered in front of a sinful people, they would have been destroyed. And so the presence of God is in here. And a priest, once a year, who represented the people, would go into the Holy of Holies. He would take a basin that was filled with blood in the outer court of the tabernacle where they had killed an animal to make a substitutionary sacrifice for the sins of the people. He would go in with the hyssop branch and he would sprinkle the blood on the mercy seat of the Ark of the Covenant to make atonement or a covering for the sins of the people. So through the tabernacle, God set up this sacrificial system that only temporarily could atone for the sins of people. And year after year, this happened. But the blood of animals clearly wasn't sufficient because they had to do it year after mm -hmm. year after year after year. If you want to look with me, Hebrews chapter 10, I love this scripture because it just reveals the plan of God. The old system under the law of Moses was only a shadow, a dim preview of the good things to come, not the good things themselves. The sacrifices under that system were repeated again and again, year after year, but they were never able to provide a perfect cleansing for those who had come to worship. If they could have provided a perfect cleansing, the sacrifices would have stopped. For the worshipers would have been purified once for all time, and their feelings of guilt would have disappeared. But instead, those sacrifices actually reminded them of their sins year after year. And that's that legal system that law was talking about. For it's not possible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. And that is why when Christ came into the world, he said, You did not want animal sacrifices or sin offerings, but you have given me a body to offer. You were not pleased with the burnt offerings or the other offerings for sin. And then I said, look, I've come to do your will, O God, as it is written about me in the scriptures. So sin and its curse were a real tragedy for mankind. Yep. Because it separated man from God and kept him from being able to come into his presence and be transformed by his glory and his power and his love. You know, I remember when I first came to our ministry back in the late 80s, and I was a young guy, I was 23, and I just got saved, and uh, barely, I mean, I, I was literally three weeks saved when I came here. So I didn't know anything about the Bible, I didn't know anything really about the Lord, and I remember him teaching about the tabernacle and teaching about the Old Covenant, and about Adam and Eve, even in the Garden of Eden, and one of the things that he said impacted me so profoundly, and even day is just held so true. You know, you talk to people and, you know, they'll say, you know, do you think you're going to heaven? They'll say, yeah, I think I'm going to heaven. Well, why do you think you're going to heaven? Well, I'm a good person. You know, 
those good things. I tell people, right? It's just, lots of people think it's about being good, but it's not about being good. If it was about being good, we could all just be good mm-hmm. and we could get into heaven. The problem was, was the sin nature and the curse of sin. Mm-hmm. The Bible says the wages of sin is healthy. Death. Right. Yep. And so all man was under this curse of sin. Mm-hmm. Man owed a debt of death, but man could not pay it. And I will never, never forget you teaching this. When we were in Old Testament, the applied life for the first time, this literally changed my life. Man owed the debt of death, but man could not pay the debt of death because man owed it. Mm-hmm. So God says, okay, we got a real dilemma here for man, but you know what? God couldn't even pay the debt because God didn't owe the debt. Yep. God's God. Man owes the debt. See, that's why animals could not pay off the debt. Animals didn't owe the debt. Man owed the debt. And the only way that the debt could be paid is by man, but man couldn't pay it because man owed it, and God couldn't pay it because God didn't owe it. So what God did is he became a man, and he tabernacled in the flesh for 33 plus years as the Son of God, and Jesus came all Mm-hmm. Who didn't know the debt, who had a sinless life, born of a virgin, and paid the debt in full forever. Forever and ever and ever. And it's, it's really crazy that, you know, and Josh is going to talk about the crucifixion here in just a few minutes, but, you know, when Jesus came out of that tomb and that, that resurrection happened and that veil was torn from top to bottom, the sacrificial system ceased. Yeah. I mean, it was done with from there on out. It was completely over. So God did for us in the form of man what we were unable to do. Jesus, all God, sinless, all man, human. Romans chapter 5, verse 6, it says, when we were utterly helpless, can I have an amen? Amen. You remember being in that place. See, that's why we remember today. We remember where we came from, and we remember what Christ did for us. When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, not our good works, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son, while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. So now we can rejoice. And that's what we're doing today, right? We're celebrating. So now we can rejoice from this new wonderful relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends with God. So today we're celebrating his bodily resurrection. So how, how do we know that we've been forgiven? How do we know that it's done? How do we know that it's finished? How do we know that we're going to live in eternity with God forever? Well, by virtue of the fact that we're here today. Yeah. He is he's risen, risen. right? Amen. You bet. And because he's risen, we're free. Amen. Romans 3.20 says, For no one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. The law simply shows us how sinful we really are. It's just like a mirror. You look in a mirror, you got some mustard on your face, the mirror doesn't reach out and wipe it off. (laughs) Right. 
See, the law, it reveals, but it can never heal. Only Christ can be the one who heals our life. And that's why we're celebrating Easter today, because Jesus paid the price for all our sins. Aren't you glad that Jesus is a friend of sinners? Aren't you glad that Jesus became a friend to you and me, and now we have been set free? He's risen. He's risen, and because... Because he's risen, guess what? We're all going to rise too. Can I have an amen? I'm going to turn it over to Josh. So good, Paul. Um, Feel the spirit so strong right now. Um, We're thinking about, I I was thinking about everything's Paul saying, and and we just, we so are so far removed from the the sacrificial system. We don't even, we don't even like the cost of doing that every single year and and just the weight of all that and the shame and the guilt that they walked under that we no longer have to walk under because of what Jesus has done for us. And, and, and I really want to turn our attention to, to how he paid the price in Matthew, in Matthew 27. And and as we start this, you may be here this morning and going, man, I like that song forever. I, it went on forever. I was ready for him to be done five minutes ago. (laughs) Um, or you may be thinking like these people are shouting and screaming and running around the room and they got the high knees going and, and Cameron up here is just dancing her little heart out and what, you know, what's going on? It's because we understand yes. this right here, this That's part right, right here. Yeah. This That's isn't right. a fable. This yeah. is the most important thing that ever happened in human history. This is it right here. And man, when I got this revelation, not, a, not of how dirty I was, but of how much he loved me, yeah. of what he went through so that he could have me back, man, I can't help but run around the room. Right. I'm not doing the, we're not singing these songs forever to get God to love us. We're singing these songs forever because he does love he does us. Love us yeah. And so I want to go, I want to go to Matthew 27 here. And I want to look at the death of Jesus. It's not just important to remember that he died, but it's important to remember how he died. It's important mm. to remember what he went through for us. And I want to look at this today. I'm going to start in Matthew chapter 27, verse 27. Man, they gave me the hardest part. Mm. Tim's got the easy part. That's why I scheduled it. <laughs> I don't know how I'm going to get through this without crying. Ooh, I'm not. When you get old, then you can schedule the young people. Man. <laughs> well, we're going to try. Verse 27 says, some of the governor's soldiers took Jesus into their headquarters and they called out the entire regiment. They stripped him and put on a scarlet robe and they wove thorn branches into a crown and they put it on his head and they placed a reed stick in his right hand as a scepter and they knelt before him in mockery and and taunted hell, king of the Jews. And they spit on him and they grabbed the stick and they struck him on the head with it. And when they were finally tired of mocking him, they took off the robe and they put on his clothes on him again and they led him away to be crucified. And so we see, we see him being mocked, we see him being spit on, we see his beard ripped out, we see him beaten beyond recognition, we see him, he's, he's literally been ripped to shreds. I heard a doctor explain this one time, and, and the way that Jesus was scourged, the way that he was beat before he was crucified, is it would have taken over 2,000 stitches to stitch up his back. And then after that happens, they give him a 125-pound crossbeam that he's got to carry a third of a mile. And think about a, picking up a railroad tie by yourself if you've been beaten literally to the point of death. Verse 32, along the way, they came across a man named Simon who was from Cyrene, and the soldiers forced him to carry Jesus' cross. And, and man, this is so powerful right here, and I think sometimes we take these things for granted, but this shows... This is a testament to the, the humanity of Jesus, that he was a man 
that he, he, Hebrews chapter four says that he became our great sympathizer, that he became a man. Mm -hmm. And so he was too weak and he needed somebody else's help to carry this cross. And and this is also a testimony to how brutal the Romans were. And they went to a place called Golgotha, which means place of the skull. I can't get caught up on every verse, but it's incredible that he goes to the place of the skull, that he goes straight into the place of death to beat death itself, to overcome death. Verse 34, they give him wine mixed with bitter gall, and when he tasted it, he refused to drink it. This would have been a painkiller. This would have been something to take the pain away, and he refused. He, he embraced the whole cup of suffering for us. Mm-hmm. The whole cup of suffering. He made, he made up his mind in the garden the night before that he was going to embrace every bit right. of suffering for you and I so that he could have relationship with us again. He made up his mind that he was going to embrace the beating, the mockery, and the pain of the cross so that he could defeat death entirely. Verse 35, after they nailed him to the cross, the soldiers gambled for his clothes by throwing dice. Then they sat around and kept guard as he hung there. A sign was fastened to the cross above his head, announcing the charge against him. This is Jesus, the king of the Jews. And two revolutionaries were crucified with him, one on the right and one on the left. I I think it's interesting. If you go back a couple chapters and, and John and James are, are arguing, or the disciples are arguing who's going to sit on his right and on his left. And he said, you don't know what you're asking. And here you see there were two people hanging on his right and on his left. And, and we're going to talk about this in a minute, but I want you to understand, Jesus didn't die on the cross so that you wouldn't have to. He died on the cross to show you how. That's right. There is a death that has to take place yeah. in our own life. So good. There's a death that has to take place. And when that yeah. death happens, man, you, we're going to talk about this in a minute too, but you get resurrection life. Right. Now his death accomplished things on the cross that our death doesn't because on the cross, his death broke the power yeah, of sin, the power of darkness. And, and we're simply told that he's crucified, but it doesn't really go into detail. And, and, I, and, I, and we've all heard the details and we've seen the details, but, but just, let's just let's sink into this and remember it for a minute. He would have had six inch nails driven through his wrist in between these two bones right here. Because if it went through his palms, his palms, your palms aren't strong enough to hold the weight of you, but they would have gone right here, six inches, right there. And then he had a seven inch nail driven between both of his feet through his Achilles tendon. And, and, and this was the most brutal, gruesome way to die. And the Romans were really good at this. But he's, he, and, and sometimes it took up to 36 hours for a man to die on a cross. And, and usually they died from, from suffocation, not from bleeding out because they would have to push themselves up to breathe, but eventually their muscles would give out and they would be in so much incredible pain that they would just give up and they would suffocate to death. And I think it's important that we meditate on this slow death that Jesus endured because it shows how great his, his love was for us. And, and, and he, they stripped his garments, man. He was completely naked. He took on shame for us. Right. When, when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, they brought shame on us. They sh- that our sin has stripped us of value and of dignity, and so right. we feel shame. But Jesus was taking our shame. Wow. He was breaking the power of shame on the cross by becoming this perfect sacrifice and the perfect high priest for us. Mm. On the cross, Jesus bore the penalty that we deserve. He took our iniquities. He took our sins upon himself. The entire world sinned, past, present, and future. And, and listen, I want you to know today that if, that if you believe that Jesus Christ is Lord, you have been forgiven of the sins yes, that you have committed, right. that you it's are good. committing, and right. that you're going to yeah. commit. That's right. You have been completely washed clean. 
You've been completely washed clean. Whenever, whenever a sacrifice is made, it, when, when he's the lamb that takes away, he doesn't just atone, he takes away our sin. And so when God, when God comes looking for you, he sees you as he sees his son. He sees you like he sees Jesus. First mm-hmm. John four twenty one says, just as Jesus is now, so are we in this world. And so I want you this morning, you rebuke the lie of the accuser yep, that tells right. you that you are still it's your good. sin because you are not your sin. First yeah, Corinthians 5.21 says, he who knew no sin became sin, sin so that you and I yes. could become the righteousness of God in That's Christ. It. Yeah, Woo. right. Good. Preach. He was the ultimate and fi- death and final atonement. And he did this to bring us back into relationship with himself. Jesus was God himself sacrificing his life so that we could have relationship with him. Romans 3.23 says, for everyone has sinned, we fall short of God's glory, yet God in his grace freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus who freed us from the penalty of our sins, for God presented Jesus as a sacrifice for sin and people are made right with him when they believe Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. Oh, I got so much, I gotta move on. Uh, This is the most important part. Skip down to verse... Verse 50, then Jesus shouted out again and he released his spirit. He shouted out again and released his spirit. You remember in John 10, he said, no one takes my life from me. I lay it down. He released himself. It wasn't suffocation. It wasn't the bleeding. It wasn't the spear. He said, John 19, uh, what is it? 1930, it is finished. And then he gave up his spirit. It is finished. To telestas, the word that he used, meaning it's completely done. I came, I, I, I accomplished what I came to do. It's completely done. The power of sin is brokenness, broken. Darkness is defeated. I am taking the keys back from the devil right now. Oh. And I am opening the gates yeah. wide up for the kingdom, this, for the kingdom today. <laughs> Not it's going to be finished, it is finished. He was declaring an end to the war. And, yeah. and, and listen, this happened. Jesus and the Father agreed that this was going to happen before they created the world. The, he's the lamb that was slain before the foundations mm-hmm. of the world were laid. Right. He knew that he was going to have to come to set us free. He knew he was going to have to endure this. And he created us out of love anyway. Mm-hmm. Come on, somebody. Mm-hmm. That's why we dance. That's it. That's why we sing. Right. That's why we shout. Yeah. That's why yeah. we act like fools in worship. Yeah. That's why we're getting baptized today. Yeah. So Come good. on. And then your favorite verse in the whole world right here should be Matthew 27, <laughs> 51. At that moment, the curtain in the sanctuary of the yeah. temple yeah. was torn in two from top yeah. to bottom. Where only the high priest could go, he came and he ripped that open and he said, no more. No you more. get to come in come and on. be with yeah. me. I'm coming to live inside of yeah. you. No more is anything going to separate us. No more mm-hmm. is your sin going to keep you out. He was the ultimate and final sacrifice so that we could be completely healed, set free, washed clean, and delivered. And I want you to know this morning, the crucifixion, the cross, it shows us two things. Number one, it shows us what God thinks about sin. And God hates sin. That's good. He hates sin, but the reason that he hates sin is because he loves you. And sin brings death to you, and he doesn't want you to die. 
and sin separates you from him, and he doesn't want to be separated from you. And so more than anything, the cross is more than his wrath being satisfied. The cross is that you get to be restored to him, that you get to be adopted, that you get to be sons and daughters of our Father, of Abba God. That is what the cross represents, is your value to him. For God so loved the world, for God so loved you that he sent his son, for God so loved us that he came. We were the ones far off. We were the runaways. Paul read it. We were the enemies of him, and he yeah. came to set us free. Yeah. Come on. Come on. Come yeah. on. Go, Tim, I'm, I got to be done. <laughs> I'm going to run around the room. Look, just so, so you all know, uh, I already jumped on Chloe pretty hard a <laughs> while ago. She came out here first service, started talking about communion. She started crying, came backstage. Then I was crying. And I said, just so you'll know, I'm bringing you on here, but Josh and I got the crying covered. So what this, you're going to have to stop all that right here. Come on. I was a basket case. And it wasn't even my oh, no. turn to get out here yet. My goodness, you just get so moved by, yeah. by what God yeah. did for so us. Yeah. So well, good. Turn to Matthew chapter 28, verse 1. Everybody turn to your Bible, chapter 28, verse 1. And then I want you to write out beside verse one, this is my favorite scripture. (laughs) Because this right here is your favorite scripture in the whole Bible, verse one, it was early on Sunday morning. It was early on on Sunday morning. Come on. You bet. Early on Sunday morning, no other world religion has an early on Sunday morning. We're Christians and we have an early on Sunday morning. Verse 1, early on Sunday morning, as the new day was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went out to visit the tomb. You know, if we were teaching today, of which I'm not, I would go into a teaching right here. I'd have to stop and talk quite a bit about this. There are just so much evidence to the resurrection of Jesus. It's it's only the fool in his heart that says that didn't happen. You have to be an ostrich to put your head in the sand when you look at the evidence uh, of what Jesus, his resurrection, how it all took place. We're talking 500 people that he appeared to, that he Mm. ate with. One of the most interesting things, and we don't relate to so many things in the Bible because our culture is different. We got to go back and understand the meaning of what was taking place in that setting. But just to take us back a couple of thousand years here, I want to remind you, women didn't vote. Women weren't considered, their voice was not heard concerning anything. And at no time in any court at any hearing was a woman ever allowed to testify. Not ever. So it's very interesting who bore the testimony from the very first beginning of Jesus' resurrection. He appeared to women first. (laughs) To women first. And that, it just sets a precedence for what Jesus did. It was the women that went out and began to give their testimony of what they saw. And he appeared to men then later. Very interesting how God does things. He takes foolish things of the world yeah. and confounds the wise. Yep. He'll never do it like you thought he ought to have yes, done sir. it. As Josh just read, the veil separating man from God. 
And, and I don't think we can really adequately relate to that mm -hmm. because God lives inside of yes, us in the right. new covenant. Yep. And every one of you, so I don't hear God. You hear God all the time, so don't even give me that. that don't turn there. You ought to go there. Have you called so-and-so lately? Right. I think you ought to check yeah. up on. You'll hear the prompting mm -hmm. of the Holy Spirit on the inside of you yes, right. throughout the day. Now, you say you don't hear God. Maybe you won't recognize his voice and you've chosen to turn a deaf ear to it. But God lives on the inside of us and the Holy Spirit is prompting us yep. daily That's in good. and out. And so we've got a connection with the presence mm -hmm. of the Lord. Just driving down the road in my truck, I, I've got a connection yep. with the presence of the Lord. Mm -hmm. And as Paul opened up with, for 4,000 years, we didn't have that. And, and I don't think we can really relate to what it means when that veil was torn, giving us for the first time since Adam and Eve access into the presence of God. Yes. Now, for the 49 years of this church's existence, pretty much every Easter Sunday morning, our church has had baptisms. So just FYI, don't nobody say anything to me about how cool it is out here today, baptizing. Don't even bring yeah, that really. up to me. Yeah. It's just been the last few years. We got a heated baptismal tank. Yeah. All up until then, all of us would go right up there to that lake, many times ice around the edge and wade off in there and sure. be baptized. Some of y'all in here can testify. You've been there and you were baptized in that water down there. So don't, you came too late to talk to me but about I, the condition. But I've always wondered why when I came on the scene, you quit getting in the water and you stayed on the bank and preached and I had to get in the water. Now, I tried to explain that. I just, I just went over this with Josh. Pool. When you get old, then you there can you decide who does what yeah, around what? here. The reason we always baptize on Easter is because baptism is what Easter is all about. Yeah. That, that is what this day right. is all about. Throughout the Bible, throughout the Bible, from cover to cover, God has always used natural, physical things. Take blood of a lamb, put it on the doorpost of your house, the angel of death. I mean, on and on and on. God has always used things in the natural to relate so that we could connect with spiritual truth. Little juice in a cracker, what's that mean? It connects us right. because we're physical people. Right. It connects us with things spiritually. And so baptism, that going into that water and being baptized yeah. is a natural physical thing that we do, but it takes us somewhere spiritual. Yes. Go to Romans chapter seven, and here is what Easter is all about. Romans chapter 7, now go to the left and go to chapter 6, where I meant to say. <laughs> Romans chapter 6, verse 1. Well then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Of course not. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Or have you forgotten that when we were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism... We joined him in his death. Josh, that was so good. Mm -hmm. Jesus didn't die so that we didn't have to. He showed us how. Yeah, right. See, we joined him in his death, for we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. Mm -hmm. Since we have been united with him in his death, we will also be raised to new life as he was. This is what Easter is all about, verse 6. 
We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. For when he died, for when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. And since we died with Christ, we know we will also live with him. We are sure of this because Christ was raised from the dead and yep. he will never die again. Death no longer has any power over him. Verse 10. When he died, he died once to break the power of sin. But now that he lives, he lives for the glory of God. Verse 11. So you should also consider yourself to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus. That's what Easter is all about. This is why baptism is the foundation for Christianity and for us as Christians. It is a public display. It is a natural, physical, public example of our death, burial, and resurrection. We died to our old self. We were buried. Water comes over us and covers that old person. We're washed clean, and then we're resurrected. Yeah. Paul talks about his life before he got saved and we all listen to that but we can't even relate to that that's yeah. so not him right right see that person is dead yeah. it's gone and and many of you if you look back on your life and your friends and your weekends and you I can't even believe that was me doing that yeah. uh, as a matter of fact let me just ask how many of you in here would not even really be recognized by a lot of your old running mates. Oh, yeah. sure. I mean, right. they, they wouldn't Absolutely. even, what? You're, it's not like you, haven't, you weren't going to church and now you started. Your whole life is different. Come on. Your whole life is different. And that's what happens. See, there is a death and then there is a burial and, and there's a new life. Yeah. And that's why at our baptisms, Whenever we take a person and lay them back in that water, there's a death and a burial. When they come up, your hands go up, you're praising God. Everybody out there is clapping and hollering because you've been raised. It's a new life. That's why everybody that's got an ability to take a picture is taking pictures of baptism. Well, that's kind of sacrilegious. No, (laughs) this is what we're doing. I want everybody, take a picture of this. I'm dying to myself and I'm going to be a new person. As a matter of fact, my favorite Christmas card of all the Christmas cards that I've ever gotten in my whole life was a Christmas card that Terry and I got this last year. But it was a Christmas card and the family had their picture there and it wasn't a picture with their dog. It was a picture of them being baptized. Yeah. Yeah. The whole family was being baptized and they put that on their awesome. Christmas card because that is what we're telling the world. Yeah. I've been crucified with Christ. I've been dead. I'm buried. Now this is a new person. Yeah. Go to Colossians chapter 2, verse 12. Here is our Easter scripture for the day. Our Easter scripture is found in Colossians chapter 2, verse 12. For you were buried with Christ when you were baptized. And with him you were raised to a new life because you trusted in the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. That's what our life is all about. Just FYI, 
Um, we talk about 1920 and 1930s. For you young people, that just seems like forever ago. But in the scope of 2,000 years since Jesus, yeah. 1920s and 30s was fairly recent. Right. It was fairly recent. There was a, a, a revivalist, and maybe many of you might have read stuff about him, a revivalist that went all over the country preaching and leading people to Jesus. His name was Billy Sunday. Huge revival preacher. He is the guy that invented, if you will, the modern day altar call. Where you come down front, take the preacher by the hand, and you repeat three sentences and you're good to go. Then his revivals got so big, he came up with every head bowed, every eye closed, slip your hand up and slip it right back down. And he did that so he could count the number of converts that he had in each one of his meetings. Now, I'm not against counting the number of converts. Sure. That's hell lost another one. We yeah, sang yeah, about no that. Yeah. So I'm thrilled to say we had a number saved at our revival. So I'm not against that. Sure. But, but here's the problem. That modern-day altar call, and, and over the years I've had people, Tim, why don't we do an altar call? Why don't we do an altar call? Here in this church, we do everything we can do to do everything biblical. And that's not a biblical move. Mm -hmm. You don't read that altar call in Scripture. I'm not against doing that. Sure. I'm fine with it. You just don't read it. Apostle Paul didn't preach and then say, every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around, slip <laughs> your hand up. The apostle Peter did not say that. Right. No one came down and took Peter by the hand and repeated a three-sentence prayer. Right. He preached. The Holy Spirit fell on the crowd. Right. Yep. And 3,000 lead, having given their life over to the Lord Jesus. Yep. See, it wasn't a little repeating, a little dilly what. And so we said, we had three saved Sunday. We had six saved last Sunday. We had two saved this Sunday. See, it's not that. It's you hearing the word, yep. and it goes deep inside you. And right. you come to a point in your That's life it. where you That's are it. sick and tired of being sick and tired. Yep. I am sick. And you know, you get drunk and you throw up in the toilet and you get up and you do it again. And you're <laughs> sick. You come to a place. I'm sick and tired of that. I'm sick and tired of this old life. I'm sick and tired of being miserable. I'm sick and yep. tired of living like this. Mm -hmm. And you die to that way of life. Yeah. There yeah. is a death. That's not a little three-sentence prayer. And it saddens me that churches have cheapened yeah. the encounter right. with the power of the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. See, they've, they've yeah. cheapened the encounter of a death, yeah. burial, and right. resurrection to come down front today and repeat a little prayer. <laughs> good to go. And we've just totally lied to people. You're not good to go. Yeah. I don't care how many times you've come down front and repeated a three-sentence prayer. You're not good to go until there's been a death. Until yeah. yeah. you have joined him in burial. Right. Until you've been raised to live a yeah. brand new life. Yeah. Old things have passed away. All things become new. Then yeah. you're good to go. And it's sad <laughs> to me that we have, we have cheapened yeah. what, I, what we call salvation. For you can sure. say, yeah, I got saved last Sunday. <laughs> No, when you got saved, it Come shakes on. the world and everybody knows Come it. On. There's something different about you. Yeah. There's been a death, right. a burial, 
and a resurrection mm -hmm. that has happened in your life. Mm -hmm. And for us celebrating today, that's what our celebration of Easter is all about. We're celebrating. Our kid, this place was full of kids yesterday. Yeah. Tori and all of our children's church yeah. workers, my goodness. Yeah. We had an Easter jam down here. Yeah, this on. place was full of was children. Awesome. And that's what this church is doing. We're not coming to church occasionally. We're raising our yeah. children up in church. Mm -hmm. We're raising this next generation up in church. Man, they were down here. You talking about a party. You talking about fun, <laughs> laughing, playing, dancing. Why? We're excited about yeah, Jesus. Right. We're excited about the birth of Jesus. Man, this thing, or the resurrection of Jesus. Mm -hmm. This thing was exciting down mm -hmm. here yesterday. Our kids were hunting eggs all over this place because we're hunting new life. Yeah. We're hunting the life that Jesus came to bring right. us. We were all held captive to our sin. All of us were. Yeah. Paul talked about mm -hmm. it. What? You wished you weren't, but you were. Right. You tried to quit and you couldn't. Yep. You were held captive because we were born with a sin nature. Sin. You died to that. That old person mm -hmm. died. No longer my flesh makes decisions. No longer that person is alive doing what my flesh wants to do. And I buried that person. Yeah. I buried that person and we rose. We came out of that grave yep. to live mm -hmm. a new life. I have been crucified with Christ. I didn't repeat a little two deal prayer and get counted as a number. I was crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but the Christ that lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith yep. of the Son of God yep. who loved me and gave his life for me. Happy Easter. Come on, y'all stand on. and let's give him praise in here. Come on, let's give him praise. Father, we give you praise in here for what you've done. We are no longer today held captive. We're not held captive by the grave. The grave could not hold us. Sin could not hold us. You defeated Satan's control over us. And now today, Lord, each of us, we have joined him in his death. We've died to who we once were. That old person is gone. We have joined him in his burial it's out of sight. It's gone forever. And now we are joining him in his resurrection. The life, the new life that I now live. It's a brand new life. Old is gone. We live a brand new life. Let's give him praise, church. Come on, all in here. Give him praise. Lord, we give you thanks today for what you've done. We celebrate you. We honor you and we bless you. Our heart is so grateful for what you've done for us this Easter. Right now, Father, as we're standing here, a congregation of people, I ask those that have never had that death and that burial and that resurrection experience, I ask is that they leave here as they get by themselves today, as they walk off out by themselves today, that they say, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. I want to give my life to you. I want to die to my old self. I want to ask you to come in. I bury that old person and I live anew with you. Father, I receive you as my Lord and Savior today. On Easter Sunday, if you've never died to your old self, if you've never lived a new life, today on Easter Sunday, I can't think of a better way to do that. 
Thank you for listening to the CMC Podcast. If you'd like to watch our sermons live or looking for more information about our church, visit cmcchurch.com or follow us on Facebook at Christian Ministries Church.